Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. So we were on the topic of Bida and Sunnah, and we mentioned one reading from Khazar. Majadad al Fasanirim Allah Ta'ala. And the next passage is from the Muktabatu Masumi of Hazrat Khwaja Muhammad Masum Nam Ta'ala. And that is Muktabatu Masumi of Volume 1, Letter Number 228. In which Hazrat Khwaja Muhammad Masum Nam Ta'ala writes that in this time, because we are far from the time of Nabi Akhirim Sallallahu and because we are near Kurbi Qiyama. Now, Hazrat Khwaja Muhammad Masum Nam Ta'ala is writing this about 380 years ago. Uh, but both on his man and Nabi, distant from the time of the Prophet and near to the time of the Prophet because of that, then bidah has become widespread. Bidah and innovation have become widespread, and the darknesses and oppressions of bidah have surrounded the entire world, and the Sunnah has become a stranger, and the light of the Sunnah has become hidden. Uh, the lights and almarat of the Sunnah have become hidden because it's a stranger. Those Sunnahs that people have left. To revive them and to spread knowledge of the Sharia, this is the greatest uh, thing that a person should do. And he's writing a person that you should make it your firm resolve. This it means that you should break your back doing so. It means that you should make it your firm resolve to do so. And this, if a person does so, to remove bidat and to revive the lost and forgotten sunnahs, then this will be the ultimate way to get the source of pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this will be a way to get the qurb and nearness with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is how a person will get a wasila with Sayyidina Rasulullah A person will get close to the Prophet on this basis. There's a hadith of the Prophet which overall meaning is that if somebody revives a sunnah, the Prophet said that if somebody revives a sunnah of mine, then a sunnah of mine that has been left by the people, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give him the reward of 100 martyrs on the day of judgment. The first level of a revival of sunnah, is sunnah the first level of Ihya Sunnah or reviving the Sunnah is that one should themselves do Amal on that Sunnah. And the highest level, A'la Daraja, the highest level of reviving the Sunnah is that a person should make the Amal on that lost Sunnah common and widespread amongst the people and even try to coax and enjoin people to follow that Sunnah. So this was the Maktabatu Masumiya. Maktabatu Mujadidiyya, volume number 2, lecture number 19. Imam Rabbanyatai Imam says that it's, But this is our advice and counsel regarding this matter That everyone should try to revive and, and revive and follow and enact and enjoin The ahkam of deen or the laws of uh, the legal laws of our deen And one should simply follow Sayyidina Sayyidina Mursaleen Sayyidina Rasulullah And do ittibab the Prophet The sunnah if a person adopts the sunnah and to avoid bidah, then they will get the, the uh, to adopt sunnah and avoid bidah. Even if the bidah is as clear as the breaking of dawn or as clear as the morning daylight, even then the reality is is that there will be no light or nur in that bidah. And if there is no cure, there is no shifa in the illness in that bidah, then that means that there is no medicine uh, for any disease in that bidah. And then Hazji commented on this and look how strongly uh, he has refuted and castigated bidah, subhanAllah. So this is something that we mentioned yesterday also, that here Imam al-Bayna has come up with three categories. Mutlaq husn, husn mutlaq for, for an established sunnah. Then a bidah hasana that in the exact same manner you depart from the husn mutlaq of the sunnah and come up with a new yet sharia compliant way of doing the same thing. 
And bid'ah hasana is that where you come up with a new way of doing something, but it is contrary to and in opposition to the sharia. So here again, he is talking about that if there is something that is sunnah, that it's better to revive that sunnah than to leave that sunnah forgotten and come up with your own way of doing it, even if your own way of doing it seems to be as clear as the broad daylight. Then Imam Nurbani in volume 1, letter number 186 said, that some ulama have said that there are two types of bidah, bidah hasana and bidah tasayyah. Bidah hasana they define as that good deed uh, that appeared after the time of the Prophet and after the time of the Khulafai Rashidun and does not lead to the removal of a sunnah. In other words, that it does not, uh, yeah, it does not lead to removal of sunnah. But Imam Nubai says that this humble one and bidah sayyina is defined as something as that which removes the sunnah. And he removes and lifts up a sunnah from people. However, this needy and humble servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that neither the bidai hasana nor the bidai sayyat, he doesn't see any beauty or light in any of these innovations. And rather from his mushahida, he sees only zulmat, he only sees darkness and constriction in these innovations. And he gives an example that Bilfar supposed to today, somebody invents a new. Uh, act which appears which appears to be wonderful to them but this is because of their zofi basarat this means that because of their weak insight and because of that then tomorrow and because of their weak insight it appears to them to be a fresh and wonderful thing to do but on the day of judgment they will realize uh, when they're able to see with true insight then they will realize on the day of judgment that they will have achieved nothing other than shame and embarrassment uh, by innovating this action. So here another thing that Imam Rabbi is talking about is the concept of bidah hasana and bidah sayya and fiqh. And in fiqh and sharia, a person who made a bidah hasana was doing so on the basis of their aql, on the basis of what their rational intellect perceived to be hasana. And that is why he's saying that this is zofi basarat, this is a weak type of perception. This would be contrast to kashfin ilham, where for the mashaq, the uliya, kashfin ilham, although it is secondary, and subservient to wahi and sharia, but if it is nothing in it that's contrary to wahi and sharia, the kashf in al-ham is not viewed as a zu'fi basarat, but it is viewed as a strong uh, level of insight. So much so that even some of these mashayikh, when they prescribe a particular type of zikr, they even say that what will be the reward of the person doing the zikr on the Day of Judgment. You had an example of that last night because those aqwal, or two nights ago, those aqwal about fikr were aqwal of sahaba. They're not hadith, but they were sahaba kram who were saying this, that one sa'a or one moment of fikr is greater than 80 years of ibadah. And I was discussing with Sheikh Mustafa Sahab, so these two narrations of the two sahaba that were mentioned, Sayyidina Abu Darda, and I can't remember the other one but these are traditions that are in the authentic books of hadith so what does that mean that a sahaba is saying something and that is reached through authentic and authoritative transmission which Sayyidina himself did not say this so on what basis is the sahaba able to say this a sahabi able to say this that one moment to figure is greater than 80 years of ibadah that was there also ilham and that was their basirat and so you have from the time of Sahaba Ikram onward that different acts of dhikr, different acts of fikr were perceived by these Ahle Ilham uh, as being greatly rewarding and meritorious in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Next is Imam Rabbani writes in volume, Maktabatul Rabbani, volume number one, letter number 237. 
He says that, Oh my dear and enlightened, my dear and happy and joyous friend, in the Silsla Ali and Akshabandi Majidadiya, the great pious men and Mashaikh of our Silsla have declared the following Sunnah, which is the following enlightened and luminous Sunnah, following that to be absolutely mandatory and necessary, and they have declared that following the enlightened Sunnah to be obligatory and necessary, and they have chosen action, determination and action over intention. So this is something we did before that azimat over ruksa that you should take the more precautionary position. And if this choice and if this choice, which in our sisla is viewed as an iltizam as an obligation, yani following the sunnah, if a person along with this deep and careful and conscientious following of the sunnah, then gets ahwal and bawajid, or if it is paired with the blessings of spiritual states and unravelings then such a person will be truly happiness and can consider that true joy and felicity and a great blessing. However, in, and if the states are granted, if ahwal and mawaji, their states and ecstasies are granted to them, but with their intermittent, but they are not, they don't remain steadfast on the choice of, they don't remain steadfast in viewing, adopting the sunnah as obligatory and necessary in them, then what will happen is that when these ahwal and kifiyat that come upon them will be disliked for them and they will actually ultimately they will lead to their spoiling of their spiritual state and ultimately they can lead to their devastation on the day of judgment so then Hazrat comments on this and says that all of the kifiyat of this world if Allah Ta'ala was to take them away from us and ittibai sunnat perfect ittibai sunnat was to be granted to us, then we would consider this a great happiness and joy and fortune. That means, if, and if the other way around, if all of the world's kashf and karamat and kefiyat, if all of the world's unveilings and miracles and spiritual states and ecstasies were to be granted to us, but we were to have even the slightest lapse in our ittibai sunnah, then we would consider that as nothing other than badbakhti or misfortune and tragedy and travesty, and it would be nothing other than that. And then, as he said, and this is what uh, this is what our mashaykh have made clear, and this is the way of our mashaykh in understanding and following the Sunnah of Nabi Yakrim Sallallahu Then Imam Rabbani in his Muktabatir Rabbaniya says in volume one, letter number one hundred twelve, all of the ahwal and mawajid means all of the state and ecstasies that a person experiences that leads them to formulate an aqidah in their mind that it is against the aqidah of Ahna Sunnah wal Jama'ah, then Imam Rabbi says, such an aqidah we know nothing that is nothing other than a devastating punishment for them and we will view it as nothing other than a tragedy and a travesty and a spoiling of their spiritual state. What does that mean? So if somebody gets a feeling and that feeling leads to a belief, so for example, if somebody says, Anal Haq with this belief, that I become Allah Subhanahu and they say that I got this belief because of my spiritual state, then any state that leads to a belief which is against the guide of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'at, that state is not a blessing from Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala, but rather it means that the test is a punishment from Allah, a test of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala that can ultimately lead to punishment and penultimately to devastation. And then Imam Malik continues the quote to, to follow, and he calls Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'at here firqa najiya, using a word of Nabi Akhtar's hadith that the saved sect in Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'at to follow them, to do ittibah of them, to follow in their footsteps. (laughs) 
to follow in their footsteps is something that we should be grateful for and we should show gratitude for and they have done a tremendous gracious ihsan and favor on us by outlining clearly the aqaid the sahiha or the correct and right tenets of belief and articles of faith and if even if we were only to have just these aqaid and we were not ever to get any ahwal or mawajid we would be very happy just on that and we would have no problem that as long as we remain on the correct aqidah if we had no spiritual states and ecstasies then Maktamat al-Masumiya, Hazrat Khadr Muhammad Masum, in volume 1, lecture number 10, said that Nabiya Kareem Sallallahu uh, talked about the love for the Prophet Muhammad Rasul Sallallahu in this letter. And what did he write? He said that the, all of the joy and felicity and happiness and blessing in both worlds, meaning this dunya and the akhirah, all of that is dependent on doing ittiba and following Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And if a person wants to achieve salvation from hellfire, then that salvation from hellfire is also dependent on whether they follow Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam. And if a person wants to attain the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and enter into Jannah, then that is also going to be dependent on the following of Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam. And if a person wants that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should accept their tawbah and enter them amongst the salihin, then that is also dependent on following the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah following the sunnah of the Prophet and if a person wants to have zuhud and tawakkul and cut themselves off from relations in this world that is also that will never that will never be accepted from them unless they do ittibar the sunnah of the Prophet and if a person tries to do tawassul um, uh, if without the tawassul of the Prophet uh, a person, in other words, without following the Prophet ﷺ sunnah, if a person engages in as many adhkar, dhikr, as many afkar, muraqama, as many uh, ashwaq and adhwaq, which is plural of shok and dhok, as many spiritual openings and ecstasies, they can be, they, but no, if they, no matter if they don't follow the sunnah, and no matter how, how many... If without following the sunnah, they engage in as many athkar and as afkar as they want, and then due to doing those athkar and afkar, they are hopeful of some spiritual state and ecstasy, they should know that that is a pointless hope, and they will get nothing from such dhikr and fikr if they don't follow the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah Then, that all of the other anbiya, meaning all of the prophets and messengers, all of them were also quenched, their drank from the spring, drank from the wellspring, and quenched their thirst from the life of the Prophet And all of them benefited from one drink of the endless ocean and limit the sea of the life of the Prophet And similarly, then all of the awliya, all of the awliyaullah as well. And in fact the angels, uh, even the angels in the skies were beneficiaries of this life, the blessed and noble life of Nabiya Kareem sallallahu All of wujud is connected to him because all of creation, he, everything was created so that he could be brought into creation. I'm commenting on this. Everything was created so that he could be brought into creation. So in that sense, an Imam Rabbanat is saying, uh, Imam Khaja Muhammad Masulmat is saying is that all the creation is linked to him. So existence is related to him and creation itself is linked to him. And uh, the manifestation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's rububiyyah as 
the rub of insan was also manifested through this act of zuhur and nabuwa or the manifestation of the nabuwa or the prophethood of the the prophethood of Sayyidina Rasulullah and the entire universe is following is doing ittibah of the Prophet and the creator of the universe means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala seeks pleasure only in, in all the universe uh, the creator of the pleasure, the creator of the universe wants to please Sayyidina Rasulullah because the, it comes in a discord say that Ana Radaka Ya Muhammad Sallallahu that Allah Ta'ala says that I have talab to please you, O Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi So then it is obligatory on all of the young men and seekers on this path in Salikin and, and uh, well fortunate good fortunate seekers on this path that they should strive to follow the sunnah in their zahir and their batin in their outward form and appearance and in the inner attributes inner characteristics and inner states and ecstasies they should exert their utmost effort to follow Nabi Karim and anything in life that is opposed to this blessing of following the sunnah of the Prophet whether it is in their zahir or in their batin they should close their eyes to it entirely they should close the eyes of their outward eyes and the eyes of their button to anything that will lead them away or anything that is contrary to this blessed treasure of following the sunnah of the Prophet And they should know with absolute certain faith and conviction that even if a person had 1,000 fazail or 1,000 uh, virtues or 1,000 miracles, even then if that person was even lazy in following the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, then keeping company of such a person, suhbat of such a person, and muhabbat, uh, keeping the company and loving such a person, is zahri qatil, is a killing poison. Is a poison that will kill a person. And then as we comment on this, that <coughs> look at the extent uh, that our mashayikh stressed on how much a person should follow the sunnah of the Prophet and abstain from bid'ah. Then resuming the quote of Hazrat Khaja Muhammad Masur and that person who does not have any of these, means doesn't have thousands of fazail or karamat or khilafi'ad or khawarik, means things that are extraordinary or out of the ordinary or contrary to the norm. If a person does not have any of these whatsoever, However, they are thabit qadam, they are absolutely firm and steadfast on following the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Then to keep the suhbah, of company of such a person, and to have muhabba and have love for such a person, then you will find that that is a tariyak, means that is a vigorous potion uh, that will nourish, nourish a person who has love and suhbah for such a person. So here you see in this long letter, Hazrat Khaja Muhammad Masul basically is trying to reach out to people who have love for Mashaikh who don't follow the Sunnah. And this is something you see today as well.